Our scripture reading this morning is from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Please join me in prayer before we go to scripture. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. From Ephesians. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Just to kind of remember where we are since we've taken a break um, during Advent and Christmas, we're um, in, in the part of Ephesians where he talks about how we live in response to the things God has done for us. As we think about God's grace given to us in Jesus Christ and the way he's blessed us, all of this is in response. And he's going through different ways of how we walk in love and um, uh, he's particularly looking at how we do so in our households, and um, for, for this time period, that's wives and husbands, then now we move to children and parents, and now we'll, we'll, we'll move into what was part of the household then, but what we would look at as more an employer-employee uh, responsibility, but as we, we focus on this, um, how we live out the, the message as the church, and as particularly as children and parents. And so Paul is addressing the church in Ephesus, and he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I want to back up just a minute and point out who Paul is addressing. Because, you know, when we go through kind of a few verses at a time, we can lose the big picture. And the big picture is Paul is addressing the church. He is addressing the community of faith. And you might go, yeah, so. And then Paul turns to technon, children, young people, those who are being brought up, those who are being educated. The, the other baptism shortly of a little baby who has no knowledge of Christ, um, the gospel, and, and no knowledge that can, can profess a faith, and yet we give them this sacrament that says, you are part of our family, you are part of the church. You're, you're not one who is, uh, we're waiting for one day to become part of the church, but children are part of this covenant family, and this is just one of those things that I notice here. Paul is addressing them, and he's teaching them and instructing them as members of the covenant community. Now, that makes a big difference on our views of baptism because we baptize babies and we say, well, Paul seems to think they're part of our community. We're going to give them the sign of being part of our community. But it also should really affect, you know, the way we, we look at church that we have members who are uh, very young and we expect them to act their age. And, and what a blessing it is that children are with us 
and that they feel welcome and comfortable with us, and we want to love them and make sure they they are know that they're part of the community. And so, uh, boys and girls, young people, you are not the future of the church. You might be the future leaders, but you are members now of Christ Community of Faith, and you are you are part of this family. And, and so, for all of that, that that reminds us that our work is not that we. Uh, you know, as, as believers, we have as much obligation to our youngest members as we do to one another. All of our instructions about patience and kindness and love and grace and forgiving and building one another up and walking in ministry includes um, our children. And, and the way we act is not that, you know, that, um, well, I had a whole week of not going off rails last week, so <laughs> let me go off the rails. You know, the, we, we are s- such a part of the country that has been influenced by um, um, revivalism and the idea that we need a, a big emotional response and somebody to come forward that we forget the way the church we see in Scripture very much is that we make a promise to our children and we bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and we teach them the faith and we show them what the faith is and we see that they're included, and we wait till the day that they profess faith on their own. We don't believe they're, they're, they're saved until they profess faith and are trusting, but that, the, that we're not treating them as unbelievers, that we're hoping one day we'll have some kind of emotional response outside of the ministry of the church, but we're treating them as part of the covenant community that we want to give all the things that we've promised when we made vows in baptism of teaching them and loving them. Children, you are part of Christ's church. You are um, ones that are being addressed in this passage. And so Scripture is for you as, as everyone. And it tells now, let's look at the directions. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that things may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And so um, God's law is for you as well. It's for our children to be obedient. That this is a good way you learn to obey God, and a way you learn to trust God is in your obedience to parents, in your learning to respect authority, um, to honor those who love you, um, that they want what's best for you, and they care for you, and, and they have a few more years to have some wisdom on how best to guide you in these things. Backing up yet again, all of us can see, notice that he gives the law from the Ten Commandments as a directive, do this, um, honor your father and your mother. We, we, we know that's in there. And so notice he's addressing to the church and he's saying, follow this law. Um, at times, it can be a question for Christians, what do we do with the law now? What, what do we do with the instructions that were given in the Old Testament of, of how we live? We, we love grace. We love the gospel. And, and now that we're forgiven by Jesus' death on the cross, uh, what does that mean we do with the, the Ten Commandments? Do we, do we say, I'm under grace and the law doesn't apply to us anymore? Of course it applies to us. Paul is showing it applying to us. He's applying it to Christians even now honor your father and your mother. And so we don't look at the Old Testament and say, well, that was then, this is now, and we do something different. There is a difference. The difference is we are no longer under the condemnation of the law. 
we have been forgiven, and so the law is no longer something that strikes me and, and says, uh, do this and live, and, and you, you, you don't live up to this standard, and you have no hope in yourself. Now the law shows us how to live as God's covenant people. And so very broadly, we can apply this to all things that we realize, yes, we are no longer under the condemnation of the law. The law no longer says to us that, that we, well, it, it is no longer held over us as a threat. Now it's a guide showing us how we live, but it still applies because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and what he desired 2,000 years before the coming of Christ is still his will 2,000 years after the coming of Christ. So his will is not different. So if we want to please our Father, if we want to do what is pleasing to God, we still obey his law. But now it's just that there's no longer the threat of condemnation because we recognize when I fail to do these things, he forgives me and he has loved me and he has brought me in before I could do these things. So the law applied to children is obey in the Lord, uh, not a blind obedience to just do things, but obedience within that relationship of the Lord. Um, and now to fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So again, he's, he's instructing Christian fathers, and we, we can hear this as parents, as what it means to um, be a family, but a family that ought to be different than families around us who don't believe. That to be a family in the Lord and to be under the guidance of the Lord is a family um, that is bringing children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That we um, give guidance and wisdom and insight. And so it tells fathers, um, negative, do not provoke your children to anger. Dads, don't you know the exact button to get a daughter really embarrassed? It used to be my, the only way I had fun at going to the mall was to see how embarrassed I can make you. Fathers, don't you know how to provoke? We, we, we know how to provoke. And beyond teasing and beyond just kind of the silliness, there, there is a, a way in which we can take the idea of I want to bring my children up and it becomes something that rather than guides and gives discipline and instruction is something that can provoke anger. Because we're sinners. All of us are, are, are clouded with sin. There, there's longings in us that are wrong. And because of that, all of our relationships are tainted. All of our relationships there, there's problems, and I think he's, he's looking at one particular thing is the way fathers can provoke children to anger. One of the ways is we can tend to think here is the model that I want my child to fit in, and if the child doesn't fit into this model, it's going to frustrate me, and, and it comes through. For some, is that I want my kid to be interested in these things. I can't understand why Graham doesn't want to see my comic books. I've been saving him for him for 
30 years. Y'all tough, don't we, we want our kids to have certain interests. We want our kids to look at a certain career. We want our kids to do a certain thing, and there's a frustration if they don't live up to that standard at times, and there can be a way of provoking anger because it's very frustrating to not be who one you love wants you to be. Another way I see is parents can try to live vicariously through children. Have you seen a parent who... um, their, their kid is excelling in an area where they wish they had been able to excel when they were young. Maybe it's sports. Um, maybe it's popularity of some way um, that they, they, they kind of relive. A parent can relive their childhood through their child. And it provokes anger because there's kind of this demand and you, you have to ask yourself, had parents screaming threats at referees um, and umpires at a little league game. You know, it's T-ball. Is it going to be that important that you're ready to strangle an umpire? Because we provoke to wrath. Because in the same way, we've kind of developed a model of this is what we want the child to be. Fathers, do not provoke your child to anger. Do not don't don't do things to. Uh, lay heavy burdens that just, you know, have a, a, a rebellious nature. Don't, don't do that. But rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, very much as a, a way of showing them what it means to be part of the community of faith. You know, I think we, we hear this, and as Presbyterians, my mind goes immediately to catechism, Bible study, Let's teach them. Let's teach them to memorize scripture. Let's teach them. Things. And that is good. We won't, you, you need to teach your children Bible stories. You need to teach them about the faith. Some aren't following me there, but you need to be teaching your children about who God is and what the gospel is. And you need to proclaim these things. But bringing up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord, it very much is the way we learn, all the things we learn is how we do things. Do we, do we show patience? Do we show grace? Do we show forgiveness readily? Do we, do we hold a standard and yet show love? Do we do these things of showing this discipline, this guidance and instruction, but in the way we live of caring for others? Um, you know, if you think about people in your life, you might remember a few words they spoke to you and say, you know, I, I can remember somebody always told me this. But what you probably remember most is their demeanor, their character, their integrity, the the way they did things when it didn't look like anybody else was watching. And that's the way we bring children up in the nurture, admonition, and discipline, instruction of the Lord, is to live with them. And so that's why children, that we're not just preaching the gospel and waiting for the day they respond in faith, but we include them, and we have our children pray as though they are Christian. And we teach them to live as one who trusts in Jesus, even before they profess faith. And we show them how to live as a Christian and participate in serving others, even before they're fully mature and fully understand what's going on, because that's the way the faith is passed on. We live it, 
and we live it together, and we live it in our homes, and we live it as a community with one another. Robin and I, um, coming home from Christmas um, with my family with, and her family, which might give you an idea of, kind of what started this conversation, we were just talking about how families that every family, none of them match the postcard picture sitcom that we think a family ought to be. I mean, even as we were singing Give Us Christian Homes, I was thinking of this ideal. It's nice and we want to do our best to live it up to, but that every family has struggles. Every family has deep hurt. Every family has pains. Every, ha- every family has, has things we're working through. And what I've noticed is um, I get the privilege of seeing that with so many of you because you share burdens as I pray and is that so many of us think we're the only ones and the other families got it all together and they follow this passage perfectly. But man, my family is just, you know, but it's all of us. And we all have our struggles. None of us live up to this perfect. So fathers, mothers, parents, children, as, as we hear what God calls us to be, as we hear what we ought to be, and as we hear this law applied to us, we have to hear this in the context of a gospel and, and that this is a response that just as children are brought in and shown grace and love, and said, you're included, now let us teach you how to believe. That is what your Father in heaven is like. He's one who says, I I love you in spite of these failures, in spite of these sins, and you are brought into my family. Now let me show you how to live in the light of this love, guided by the Spirit. That is your Father. So as we struggle, as we think, I don't lead in the prayers as I ought, we're having this difficulty here, there's this problem with a relationship um, that I'm, I'm working through. All of those know that you too have the gospel of a God who has brought you in and loved you and calls you to a life and doesn't say, when you do these things, you will reap the reward. But you have been given the grace, you have been given the reward, and out of that power and out of that strength, deal with the struggles of life. Deal with the pains and difficulties and the, the, the challenges of children and parents, fathers and um, sons and daughters. We do this together. Would you please stand and let us believe, uh, stay where we believe in the words of the Apostles' Creed.